Mr. Draper is out, and I don't think I'm supposed to know where he went. That happens. But they're taking their pictures today, and I would have reminded him, but he slipped out before I could. It's his fault. He comes and goes and never says anything. Where is he? I make an excuse to Mrs. Draper. She could catch him in it, especially if she just leaves. Or even worse, then he'll know that I know where he was. Where is he? I don't know. You do know. And you're going to tell me. Or I'm not going to tell you what to do. I can't believe you. Well... He saw her the other day. He came back all greasy and calm. No. Oh, God, now I've told you I'm the worst secretary in the world. Who is she? I don't care. Please hurry. Peggy, use your noodle. You're making this so complicated. You go out there and you entertain her and brats. Get some Hershey bars from the cart. And tell her that you don't know where he is and you forgot to remind him. It is the truth. And when he comes back, let him have an excuse. He'll have one. And then you just start apologizing for, well, just how stupid you are. It's probably what I would have done anyway. Oh, God, no, I really shouldn't have told you. You shouldn't have told me. I'm not going to tell anybody, but you shouldn't have told anybody that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of A Thing Like That, a Mad Men podcast. Or a podcast about Mad Men. Last time I said a Mad Men about podcasts, and this time I said a Mad Men podcast. I don't, I guess it's just a podcast. It's whatever you want it to be. As always, I'm your host, Michael Levito, and my exasperated co-host is... <laughs> Kathleen Levito. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5? Yes. Yes, Episode 5, 5G. That's awfully convenient that it's called 5g and was the fifth episode um what's awfully inconvenient is not pull up who wrote and directed this episode like i usually do beforehand um 5g was directed by leslie lincoln collater and written by matthew weiner um what are your initial thoughts on this episode not my fave Mm. solid like b episode and i forgot i knew this episode was coming um there was when I was the first time I watched Mad Men through, there were like two episodes in the first season that I just totally glossed over. That just did not have my, like capture my attention, and this is the first of the two. Um, and I have to say, like watching it back, didn't change my opinion on it that much. Um, I think that I picked up more of Pete's story this time, um, and learned a little bit more about his character. And his relationship with Trudy and Trudy's character, um, but otherwise it's just a B, a B grade. Yeah, I think so. it kind of, it kind of works better. It's weird like that. I think the Pete part and watching the dynamics, the non Don dynamics of the office, mm-hmm. I think works better than the main plot where Don or Adam comes back into Don's life because a if you've seen the season before, like you know you already know what happened. I'm sure for some watching this for, for the first time, or when they were watching when it aired in, like, 2007, it was like, oh, my God, like, what is this? They were trying to solve the mystery mm-hmm. of it. But that Don's whole sort of, like, you know, we'll call it a secret identity plot line, I think, has only ever been so engaging in some respects. And I actually don't think 
it it gets really sort of like it doesn't become really powerful to me until the second season, mm-hmm. and uh, at this point it's just kind of like ooh, like what's going on? It, it almost feels like the thing that Matthew Weiner had to pitch to get this show made, because otherwise it's just a show about a dude who works in an office. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's a little bit of like a. Yeah, it, it just very focused on that, but I, you know, still. It's a lot of good stuff, and I actually do think talks a lot to sort of what is at the core of Don's character, and we'll get into that. Um, but first, let's talk about what actually happened in the episode. Uh, quick little synopsis of 5G. A lot of cross-cutting in this episode, so maybe this is going to be a little longer than normal, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but it begins with what I think is a great scene, which is Don and Betty stumbling home drunk into their bedroom after an award ceremony. Uh, where Donna Stern and Cooper both won an award. Um, the next morning, Sally wakes him up, and they are very, very hungover. And Don goes to take a shower, and as he slams the door, the horseshoe on the award he got ominously turns upside down. He gets congratulated when he gets to work, as does Ken, who has just had a short story of his published in The Atlantic. Uh, Don and Paul later meet about uh, Liberty Savings, what to do with them. Don comes up to deal with the executive account, a private bank account for married men. Statements are sent to the office. It's all private. Their wives don't even know it exists. Um, hmm. Midge, uh, but after that, Midge calls him and insists that she see him later. Peggy, of course, Don's secretary, picks up the phone accidentally in the middle of the conversation and hears some dirty talk going around. This sort of shocks and scandalizes her. And then Don leaves to go meet Midge. Um, meanwhile, Pete, Harry, and Paul, bitch about Ken, um, and think he's, you know, nobody who do you think he is getting his writing published in the Atlantic. Uh, Don and Midge's apartment, after making love, Don tells Midge not to call him at work, and then they kind of swerve around talking about their feelings and how their current arrangement works and maybe how it doesn't. Um, meanwhile, Pete, who's very upset over Ken's success, um, has Trudy read a story he's written. She's not super into it. It's about a talking bear, but not really. Um, but he asks her to reach out to Charlie Fittich, um, Trudy's wary about this because Charlie Fittich was Trudy's quote-unquote first, and when Pete found out about this, it, he was very upset. He got very upset, but Pete's like, no, no, please go talk to him, try to get him to publish this because Charlie Fitch works publishing. Um, <clears throat> the next day, Don is in a meeting, and Peggy pulls him out of it to go meet a man named Adam Whitman, who's at the office looking for him. Adam clearly knows Don, but Don pretends he doesn't know him. Uh, and Adam keeps calling Don Dick for some reason. To get him away, Don agrees to meet him at a diner. They eventually meet at the diner and discuss someone who is Adam's mother, but not Don's. As Adam asks more and more questions, Don gets more and more uncomfortable and leaves. Don tells Adam to think that this had never happened. Uh, meanwhile, Trudy visits Charlie's office, where he propositions her as sort of a transaction to try and get Pete's work published. She refuses. Uh, Betty and the kids then arrive at Don's office while Don is away at the diner with Adam to go get their portraits taken. Peggy panics because Don's with Adam, but she thinks he's with Midge, ends up asking Joan for advice, which will only give if Peggy tells her where Don is. Peggy realizes she shouldn't have told Joan where she thinks Don is, which is at Midge's, and should figure everything out for herself. Joan agrees on all accounts. Don eventually arrives late and is embarrassed, but he and his family go to get their pictures taken after being fed chocolate bars by Peggy. Next day, Betty and Francine look at the pictures, and Betty thinks they're terrible. They commiserate over how foreign their husband's working lives seem to them, and how empty Helen Bishop's portraits must look. 
uh, truly the salt of the earth. The Liberty Capital meeting is a success. Don's pitch goes over very well. Um, and afterwards, Don, uh, Peggy gives Don his mail, and which includes a picture Adam sent from their youth. Written on the back says, If you change your mind, 5G. Don leaves for the day. Ken brags to a bunch of women when Paul comes bunch of women about his story when Paul comes to rip up his copy of the Atlantic in front of him um, and later that day as they're leaving Paul says I know I've been a bear but I had no idea that I was also competing with you and Ken just goes well you lost uh, Pete comes home and Trudy tells him that she got him in Boys Life magazine um, this upsets Pete because it's not a fancy enough publication for him he suggests Trudy should have done more quote unquote to get him in a better publication and that very much upsets Trudy uh, Don and Betty talk over dinner, but then he tells her he has to go back to the office. He goes into his study, burns the picture of him and Adam, and puts something in a case, but we don't know what it is. Don goes to Adam's room in the hotel or apartment building, I don't know what, what he's staying at. After some talking, takes out just massive stacks of cash from a bag, telling Adam to leave New York and never talk to him again. They hug, Adam cries, uh, and Don leaves. Later in bed, Betty suggests buying a summer home, for themselves so they don't have to keep using her father's and Kate May, but Don says they just don't have the cash to do it right now. Alright. Kathleen, what is the theme of 5G? The theme of 5G is discretion. Yeah. You want to start or should I start? Um... I will start, perhaps. (laughs) Um, So discretion, just to educate the listeners or to catch everybody bring <laughs> up to speed is essentially acting in a way that does not reveal a lot of information or choosing what you say carefully not to reveal more than you wish to reveal to someone and I think in this we see a lot of people's not only double life because we do get a look into double a double life with Don which is like the big one but we also just see the double personalities of a lot of people mm-hmm on a smaller scale, um, with Peggy's conversation with Joan, we see that kind of double life that the secretaries live and of knowing a lot more about um, their employers than they, you know, they should tell people or they choose to tell people. Um, Peggy clearly keeping that a secret from Betty as they're talking, and then Betty um, did not practice a lot of discretion when she was talking to Betty about kind of... She's like, oh, yeah, I never know where, like... Um, Don goes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. She is, she's kind of like confessing to Betty. Yeah. Or not to Betty, to Peggy. Yeah. Um, I think that you can take it from here. Sure. I mean, like, <laughs> th- this episode's all about sort of keeping secrets yeah. and trying to maintain those secrets, secrecy, um, and also being sort of like beating around the bush a bit and being discreet for like a better word. I think they literally use the word discretion when talking about the idea of the executive account, right? Yeah. The idea of that, because <clears throat> discreet also means like sort of separate, right? If something is discreet from something else, they are they do not intersect. And so the executive account is all about keeping your work life and your home life separate and discreet. Um, and that really follows Don's philosophy on life, right? Uh, he, he works very hard to make sure, you know, he, he lives sort of far away in Austin from Manhattan um, and he works very hard not to bring his family into the office and not to bring work home to the office right Um, and in the beginning there's sort of like a penetration of that with him bringing Betty to this award ceremony him bringing a war for his work home Um, but the ultimate sort of violation of that happens when Adam shows up Mm -hmm. because 
this is something from Don's past that he has worked very hard to keep a secret, very hard to be discreet about, and is now showing up in the most inconvenient of times, in the most inconvenient of places, right? This is Don's worst nightmare. And that sort of parallels Betty and the kids showing up, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, Don is having trouble being discreet. His personal, his, his home life is just sort of seep in his history, seeping into his work life without his permission, mm-hmm. right? Without him expecting it. And that's a great violation for him and totally disrupts his way of life. Um, and there are other characters who try to be sort of discreet too. Ken um, it's, is very private about his writing, right? This is the first time anyone in the office knows that he's written anything when his short story comes up. Uh, because um, he's written a couple of novels as well. Yeah, he really feels he's written a couple of novels. Um, and, you know, you kind of wonder, oh, why wouldn't you tell people about this? And it's very clear because it only leads to jealousy and one-upmanship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, if I can find it... Yeah, uh, Har- Harry says he didn't tell anyone until it came out, right? Mm-hmm. Ken's attempts at being discreet and being sort of modest are all of a sudden uh, considered by his colleagues to be kind of the opposite, right? They're yeah. kind of smug. This idea of not being open about this it's because he thinks he's better than everyone else that he hasn't shared it with the world and we kind of see that at the very beginning of the episode as well when Don comes home with his award and Betty's congratulating him and Don's like oh, it's not really me that won it it's Roger it's a sales award and she says oh but you know creative helps sell mm-hmm. so it's this idea again of just appearing a little bit more pompous than necessary when you're trying to hide something down yeah um exactly yeah, and then also the first uh, sort of like bigger breach of discretion comes with Mitch, right? She calls Don at the office. So not only is his legitimate family life, you know, sort of bleeding into his work, so is the mistress he is keeping secret, and so is the past that he's keeping secret, the fraud he is literally committing. There's like the his regular life, the sort of like moral crime, if you will, he's committing, and then the actual crime he is committing are all sort of seeping their way. I think I've used seeping like five times so far. But they're making their way into his work, into the place where he's kind of, if not happy, but powerful and in control, Mm -hmm. and he's losing control. And it's very, it's made very clear that that is, there is no infrastructure at work to accommodate that stuff. Not even just what he does. Mm -hmm. But Betty mentions to Francine, you know, every time I walk in there, I expect to be given the royal treatment and they act like they don't know who I am. So it's like an understood across the office that we don't, we don't do personal life. Mm -hmm. We don't do that here. And even hearkening back to, I think it was last episode, the last episode or the one before, when Trudy, this last episode, when Trudy goes to visit Pete at the office, he was very taken aback by the fact that she didn't let him know Mm -hmm. Um, he was coming she Mm -hmm. was coming it's a very like just secular place Mm -hmm. exactly and it's funny because this reminds me of career day I had to do in like uh, sophomore year of high school and one of the ones I went to was a it was very specific it was an anti-money laundering attorney Um, and he talked about how when you launder money you do it it's like it's a pizza place or like something small because in a big corporation there are too many eyes too many ears and someone's going to find out eventually and that's what happens to Sterling Cooper because Peggy accidentally picks up the phone mm-hmm. while Midge and Don are dirty talking, right? And she all of a sudden realizes, like, oh, my God, this guy's a mystery. This is why he's leaving in the middle of the day, and this is what's going on. And it, she doesn't know what to do with it, right? Because, you know, it, it's something she didn't really even conceive of before. And it, it's the, keeping this sort of, like, web of lives intact is very stressful for her. Mm-hmm. Um 
and she she's not discreet when she talks to Jonah about her, right? She just kind of like lets it fly because she doesn't know any better, and you know, in her eyes, she's telling the truth, right? Whereas in Jonah's eyes, she is violating Don's trust, and she's just not doing her job. And she actually says, like, you know, if you're going to be judgmental or something like that, then you're in the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. Like, this, your job is to keep this man secrets. And then she eventually learns by the end of the episode in sort of a sick way, where she doesn't she opens all of Don's mail, but she only keeps the personal mail closed. That personal mail is the the photo of Don and Adam that's enclosed in an envelope. So she learns the boundaries or tries to learn the boundaries, even though her job requires her to overset those boundaries often. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, moving on to Pete, let's talk about Pete, shall yeah. we? Um, so, Pete, he's a jealous little bitch. He is. We all know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as we mentioned before, he decides that now he is a professional writer. Mm-hmm. And he writes something, and it's unclear to me, has he been working on it for years, or did he whip it up in a day? I think it's implied that he's had it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what I mentioned, too. Mm-hmm. Um and we see a little bit of discretion when Trudy is trying to tell him what she really thinks of it. Mm-hmm. And instead of being just like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think that this is, I think it could use some more work, that kind of thing. She's just like, well, you know, I read the classics. This doesn't really resonate <laughs> with me. Yeah. Which, again, is that kind of separating opinion, like real opinion, mm-hmm. real life from what is out in the world. I think it's also, side note, um, telling of Trudy's personality or telling of kind of who Trudy is. I think throughout the series, this is not a spoiler, she asserts herself as one of the stronger female characters, or like, I think most self-aware female characters, or self-assured, I think is the right word, female characters. And I think we see it here where like, she is just like, I read the classics, I am educated, I am, like, Mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. Um, So... Um, then of course Trudy goes to try to get his thing published with her old beau and you know she has to use her discretion basically to be like nope separate we are not sleeping together in order for me yeah. to get my thing published this is a professional conversation this is a professional conversation she knows where that line is for her she has a much mm. sharper line um, which again I think points to her being one of the more self-assured female characters um, but Pete doesn't care. No. He's just like, I live in a world of gray. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? You know, you should have done this for me. You don't want me to be happy. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting little insight into their relationship, too. Yeah, and it's funny, right? Because it's implied that one of the reasons she's so tentative to even talk to Charlie Fittich is because she displayed what, in Pete's eyes, was a lack of discretion in telling Pete about the nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and that upset Pete, right? Um, but then, and which then causes Trudy to become more discreet, which then upsets Pete, right? There's a, it's a known situation. And even when uh, they're at dinner and Trudy's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I got you in boy's life. She says, Charlie Fittich came by the house. We don't know what they talked about. We don't know why he came by the house, when or anything, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know any details, just that he came by the house. Mm-hmm. So who knows what actually happened between them? Um, it's of course implied that nothing did, but... We don't really know the details of how she managed to get him to even into boy's life. And this kind of goes without saying, but, like, Don's relationship with Adam, right? He doesn't answer any of Adam's questions. He asks him if he's married, if he has a girlfriend. Um, when Don calls him and says, hey, I'm on my way, um, Adam's like, 
I don't even know where you're coming from. He doesn't even know what he drinks, right? Like, Don is not only so careful to keep Adam separate from his work life, but he's separate to keep any detail of his current life from Adam. He doesn't want there to be any leaks, right? He's he's plugging it all up. He's like, please do not, like, tell... I, he just he he wants to keep everything so separate and so compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a control freak, right? Yeah, um, and it's to a degree that literally Adam doesn't even recognize Don. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is his name changed, but he says like in that suit, in this lighting, in this office, you are not who I know you to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not until they're in Adam's kind of gr- grungy little apartment and Don's wearing more plain clothes, they're sitting in the dark that Adam's like. This is who you are. This is what you look like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Don, of course, tries to not only separate Adam from his everyday life, but destroy him. He burns the picture of him and Adam uh, from their youth. And uh, in his office, which will become sort of like a... His home office will become kind of like a symbol of secrecy. Mm-hmm. He does it all in there, and he reaches into this secret drawer, right? And we don't... We, the audience doesn't even know what he has... In the bag, I was reading in Matt Zolarsites' book, and he said that some people initially, because Matthew Weiner wrote for The Sopranos, thought that it was like a gun. I thought it was a gun. And people thought that Don Secret was like, oh, he's like a mobster. Oh, that'd be so great. <laughs> I wish that's what it was. But, uh, you know. That's so good. I didn't like, yeah. Boardwalk Empire meets Mad Men. Mm. Wild. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> and then, uh, I'll at- that show. <laughs> At uh, at the end of the episode, right, uh, when Betty's like, hey, we should buy our own vacation home, Don's like, uh, we're not we're not super flush right now. And the reason, of course, is because he gave, I think, like $5,000 mm-hmm. to, which is a lot of money in 1960, to Adam. But he's being discreet because he can't tell her why. Yeah. And she doesn't, she, and she knows better to ask. She's been sort of accustomed to his 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 secret is discretion, I guess. Secretiveness. I don't know what yeah. I'm trying to look for. Um, I didn't even think about that. Um, and I think the reason is because throughout the series, we see Don give a lot of money to a lot of people. That in my head, I didn't even think about his finances. And at a one point, Benny actually in the series says this: like, you don't. I've seen you around money. You don't know what to do with it. Um, but the reason that I figured they would not buy the house is because that would that would make family life go further. That would create a whole other world. There would be, mm-hmm. like, the beach people and all of that stuff. And right now, Don can avoid going to the beach with the, the family. People. The beach people. Beach friends. Things right, like right, that. Right, right. And it would invite more questions in. It would yeah. invite more time with family in, which would inevitably bring more stories, more leakage, all that kind of stuff. Um, also, that would get them a little bit closer to... Well, Betty was saying going to a different town than her father has a house in. But it might bring them more close, closer to the father on, like, an mm-hmm. average level. And then another reason um, is because Don... It's... The way that Betty was talking does not seem like Don often goes to the mm-hmm. beach house. She's like, I hate that you have to work all August. I don't like the idea of you sitting in the office in the summer. And I think Don is purposefully separating himself from the family and especially Betty's family because he's like he doesn't even want them to know anything mm-hmm. so they're just like keeping it as close to home as possible yeah definitely not a lot of uh he wants to keep that network as small as possible yeah. so it's people just less people have the opportunity to find out who the real Dot Draper is and I we've talked about how it's kind of like a form of control for him 
But I think also in the Liberty Pitch, this kind of sums up the idea. Paul, you know, when they're describing the executive account, and people are like, oh, this is, like, kind of saucy and wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is the idea of... The implication being, of course, like, oh, it's a man spending money on things he doesn't want his wife spending mm-hmm. money on, be it, be it another woman or what have you. Um, and and the, 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 the folks from Liberty are kind of like, oh, yeah, like, we got people doing that all the time. We just charge them for it now, right? Which is somewhat of a breach of client trust on their hand. And Paul describes it as liberty for the libertine, right? So discretion is not only a form of control, but it's freedom. Mm-hmm. It's freedom because Don can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And even when those things conflict, and even when they should destroy one thing, and these things should not exist at the same time, it doesn't matter because he has separated them to the degree that it doesn't matter. I don't know, that's redundant, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anything else on discretion? Um, let me take a little looksy-daisy over my notes. A fun behind-the-scenes fact for all you listeners. Michael painstakingly types up all of his notes and puts down quotes, and I just write them in pen and leave them for a week and then review them 30 seconds before a podcast. I tell you mine up because my handwriting is really bad, and this if is, I didn't, then I wouldn't be able to. This is true. And you just hear, like, line paper flopping around the mic. This is true. Um, I think that's it. Okay. All right, so uh, let's give out some awards, starting with the Pete Campbell Memorial Worst of the Week. Should we say it on three? Yeah. One, two, two, three. Pete. This is P.S.'s most petulant. Um, He... (laughs) Literally, when, when Trudy tells him that she didn't put out to get his thing published in something better than Boys Life, he goes, you don't want me to have this, which is... No, you don't want me to have what I want. Yeah, you don't want me to have what I want, which so is absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. Um, it's it's absolute. like, why... It's insane that his mind goes there. After seeing his parents' attitude in the first episode, you understand why, mm-hmm. but it's still an absolutely absurd... Um, conclusion to draw that your wife wouldn't want to break the sacred vow of marriage because she didn't want your article published in a a widely read magazine just to spite you right just to spite you (laughs) you know i'm gonna spite you by being faithful as hell yeah (laughs) that doesn't really track pete anything else on pete uh no that's fine there there is an interesting (laughs) little (laughs) there's an interesting little cinematic trick where when Don and Midge are together, it shows them in bed, and they're all sort of, well, they're naked, and they're, like, kissing, and it's all very sort of steamy. And then it cuts to Pete and Trudy in bed, and it's very chaste. Mm. Um, they're both in their night clothes, um, just sort of sitting, like, they look kind of like, you know, Dick Van Dyke and Laura mm-hmm. Petrie or something, even though, you know, it almost, you know, back in the day, you weren't allowed to show married couples in the same bed. Um, it's like, they get as close to that of being in the same bed, right? So, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, how TV shows used to have the mm-hmm. two separate beds. You know the first show to have a married couple sleep in the same bed? No. The Flintstones. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't know uh, why the Flintstones. I guess because it was a cartoon, it was considered less <laughs> obscene, but it was the Flintstones. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I read somewhere where there's like there are people who do actually do that. I was trying to think, do people... Was that actually a trend? There was, like... I remember there being a trend 
because I remember our mom watching Good Morning America once, and there was a trend where it's like as people got older, like it becomes too much of a hassle to share a bed. So <laughs> that's what our grandparents do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just they just go and they just have either separate beds or separate rooms. Yeah. Hey, whatever works for you. Yeah, honestly, some people are sleep talkers. Yeah. You yeah. don't need to deal with that. No. No. All right. And then our Roger Sterling best line of the week. Do you have one? Um, he didn't come up. But did Roger take any part in this episode? Uh, he did. Um, a small one. I think he's actually only in one scene now that I think about it. And it's in their traffic meeting, which I guess they're talking about business. Mm. Well, obviously, it's a business. Um, <laughs> traffic. <laughs> I'm not discussing business. the band or the movie or the actual traffic outside. Traffic of the business, I suppose. And Ken, and, and, and uh, Roger's congratulating Ken on the publishing of his story and encourages everyone to write because he's sure that everyone has at least ten novels in, in, in their drawers. <clears throat> and he goes, The story itself was not much to my liking, but I think it should... But I think it showed an uncanny understanding for what most people like. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I don't like it, but other people might, so who knows. <laughs> All right. Right. Spoilers time. Spoilers time. Cool. Uh, you want to start? Yes. Um, Ken and his book and Roger and his reaction to the book. Later in the series... Roger threatens Ken and mm-hmm. is like, you gotta stop writing or else you're not gonna work here anymore. Yep. And Ken adopts a pseudonym so that he can write in peace. Ken already has a pseudonym, but he adopts a second pseudonym. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think he moves genres as well. He starts writing more science fiction. Yeah. 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 Which kind of alludes also to Pete's story being about a talking bear. Science. It's not really the same thing, but. He does write about Pete, though. Yeah. True. Um, let's see. The mention of Betty's dad. I think this is the first time mm-hmm. we talk about her parents. Yep. He becomes a larger character in, I want to say, the third season? Uh, Later on. I think the third, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the mid-seasons. He becomes a larger character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also in that, uh, they talk about going to Cape May for, like, you know, vacation. I think they mentioned Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial mm-hmm. Day weekend will play a big role in... Well, the first season where Roger convinces Don to stay with Roger and basically play with him for Memorial Day weekend instead of going to KMA with his family. And the second season, Don will... Memorial Day weekend will actually leave his family to go hang out and spend some time with um, Bobby Barrett, his mistress for that season. Or one of them. Remember they're at, like, the... the, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um... Sorry for that dead air. Um, in when Betty is discussing with Francine the portrait that they were the, the when Betty was discussing the family portrait with Francine. <laughs> Happens to everybody. <laughs> she mentions that Sally looks fat, mm-hmm. and this is we have talked about this in other episodes. This is a running theme that mm-hmm. Betty is very looks concerned, especially with her daughter. Yeah. Um. Also, somebody mentions later, someone sees 
someone sees Sally later when Sally is older and says, like, oh, I almost, I didn't recognize her. She was so, like, she used to be so chubby. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who that character is, though. I don't remember. I'll let you know when we get there. Probably Joan. Probably who? Joan. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's probably somebody at the office. Um, But let us see. Um, Also... No, you go. Well, in in that same conversation with Francine, they talk about how... I think Francine says this, that going to, you know, her husband Carlton's office feels like she's going to another country where she Mm -hmm. doesn't speak the language... Those tables will be turned with Betty and Don when they go to Italy, mm-hmm. and it, which is very literally another country, but Betty actually speaks Italian. Um, and there's actually a scene where Betty is waiting for Don at this sort of outdoor cafe, and there are these two men hitting on her. And Don comes by and is like, are well, they like making fun of me? They call me ugly? Which they are. Um, and she's like, oh, you know, whatever. So the, the tables are kind of turned there. Yes. Um, what else? Uh, 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 awards. Uh, so awards. Thank you Don, for keeping this moving. Don, <laughs> Don will win a couple awards in this series. The two that stand out to me are um, there's one that he gets some kind of like oh well, he three that I think about it. There's one it's some like uh, achievement award for advertising and it's Roger. Uh, Roger gives a speech um, and this is when Don and Roger are not talking. Mm-hmm. They get into a dispute. Um, there is the award he gets from the American Cancer Society for writing an anti-tobacco mm. op- er, ad. Um, and then there is the Clio he wins for... The floor cleaner. Yeah, the, the floor cleaner. Um, and he says no one cares about awards. Well, that episode shows that people do, in fact, care about mm-hmm. awards because Peggy gets very upset that she sort of came up with the, the core idea of that ad, and yet it was Don himself who gets the award. I think that... Peggy's character, just the, her the way she interacts with the people in the office in this uh, scene is telling, where she is not one to have a lot of discretion. Mm-hmm. She's very open. Um, not that she is like a warm, open person, but she's very tends to be very direct with what she wants. And even if she is hold, withholding emotion, there always comes a point in the show where it bubbles over. Yeah, um, exactly. That's that. Um, of their foreshadowing, uh, the, the, we said this Don's study becomes sort of a symbol of his secret mm-hmm. life, and Petty, Pe- Petty, Peggy will spend a lot of time trying to break into the drawers in that desk. Be- Betty will. I meant Betty, yeah. 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 Too many, too many Y too names many that end in Y, repeating constants. And then this is the big one that I kept on trying to think of, and then just stammering through. You learn about Don's past yeah you learn that he has a um half brother Mm -hmm. um and you start to get little stories about where he actually came from Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's a thing hear a little bit about annabelle or not annabelle abigail Mm -hmm. the woman who raised him and really hated him uh the fact that he left his family without really telling them what Mm -hmm. happened um yeah speaking of leaving families Trudy says that she would never leave Pete to Charlie Fittich. That ends up not being true. She does leave Pete, but she sort of works very hard to maintain the illusion that they had not left, in fact. Not that they, that they had not left each other. Yes. Um, they, I don't know if they ever get formally divorced. I think they do. But they do get separated. Yeah. Um, until before eventually reconciling in the last season. So maybe she never really did leave Pete. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what I'm saying. She's the most self-assured. She knows what she wants. Yeah. She has the most control. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even though she doesn't work, she has the most, like, power, I think, mm-hmm. out of any of the women. I think that's true. Yeah. Even though she is sort of presented with some of the most shit, she ends up taking the least of it. Yeah. Yeah. Any other spoilers? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Alright then. Uh, so any any final thoughts on this episode? No. <laughs> Again, this was not one of my faves. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I am excited to remember to relearn what happens in the next one. Because I forget how everyone's story gets parsed out after this. Um, but otherwise, not, not really. I'm waiting for Roger to have a bigger part. That's really what I'm waiting for. Yeah. he. Uh, it's, it's, it, I wonder if it was always the intent to have him be a little bit more of like a background character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just kind of like be sort of not, not as... More, more like Bert Cooper, just kind of like a figure who exists because you need an authority figure. Um, but he eventually becomes, you know, sort of one of Don's closer quote-unquote friends and mm-hmm. colleagues and goes through a big, uh, you know, a, a big big arc himself. Mm-hmm. And becomes probably my favorite character. For sure. You know, with Mammy goes with the caveat that, like, they all do really, but most of them do pretty terrible things and are not all sympathetic, but... As far as entertainment goes, Roger, and I think Pete's pretty entertaining, too. I think Roger also does, like, the least long-term damage. He does some shitty things, but it's never, like, corrupting someone's world. I'm gonna disagree with you there. But we can talk about that when the time comes. Okay. He breaks up at least one family. But, I mean, yeah. But that... Oh, I forgot about that. Actually, two of them, including his own. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but that, I don't count that one. Okay. But, yeah, I forgot about the second one. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's it for this episode of A Thing Like That. Thank you for listening. Um, follow us on SoundCloud. Eventually, we'll get on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. I don't know when I've been dragging my feet on checking out Buzzsprout, blah, 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 blah. Um, we do have another podcast that is on all those things called the Real Life Oscar Challenge. We do with my roommate, so check that out as well. Um, we write for a website called The Post Writer. Check that out. Um, again, my name is Michael Levito. You can follow me on Twitter at MLevito. Uh, on Letterboxd as at Ameramike. Yeah. And I'm Captain Levito, and you can find me on Instagram at Rise to the Sun. Cool. Thanks a lot for listening. I still don't know how to end podcasts, but uh talk to you more about Mad Men next next up. <laughs>